0: Angelo Pentaras is a drummer, disability advocate, and a motivational speaker. This is Angelo Pentaras. I'm Duncan Gammie. You're listening to Dunk Tank. Uh, okay, great. I'm here with Angelo Pantares. Uh Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: It's a pleasure. Uh,
0: so, Angelo, you, you have a very uh, impressive, inspiring story, um, and I want to kind of walk through that uh, today and sort of get your thoughts on how uh, you arrived at where you're at now. Um, you were born um, with cerebral palsy, um, yes. and your your mother was told you're going to be tetraplegic. Um, obviously, you don't you you were a baby, so you don't remember these things happening at the time. Um, but have you talked? I, I imagine you've talked to your mother about what her reaction was, the reaction of the family was. I mean, that's yeah. It's got to be um, uh, difficult news when, you know, you're just giving birth.
1: Yeah, we've talked about it with uh, my family many times, you know, in general, we're uh, very open with each other. So we've discussed these things a lot. And uh, as I grow older, you know, I, I learn more about how she felt and how she handled everything. But uh, if you want me to just speak about that a little bit, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, uh, having a a premature uh, child is not something that uh, parents prepare for. So you know, it was it was very very scary. And uh, so after I was born, I was born two months prematurely, and when my mom gave birth to me they told her to to not see me because it's very highly likely that i won't survive so she shouldn't get attached and so she would be uh, in one room in the hospital and i would be in the in the other area where premature babies are you know hooked to oxygen and stuff like that and every every morning Uh, my dad would have to call to see if I survived the night and every evening he would call to see if I survived the day. Um, And then my mom read in in some article that uh, premature babies can recognize the mother's voice uh, and can recognize their parents. And if you have contact with your premature baby, it, it gives strength and the chances of survival um, increase so that was a huge turning point because then she was spending uh, every moment that she could with me and just talking to me pretty much saying things like you know you have a brother that's waiting for you at home and uh, we can't wait for you to come home to a family that loves you and Stuff that she was just expressing herself, basically. Right. Um, yeah, so that's how it all started. But I think with within everything, once I survived, um, at four months, I was diagnosed with uh, CP uh, and tetra- tetraplegia more specifically. Um, my parents handled it. Each one, each one of them very differently. You know, My mom felt that somehow uh, it was her fault or maybe she did something wrong during the pregnancy. So in the beginning stages, there was lots of, uh, of guilt and, and grief. And my dad was completely other end of the spectrum, just in denial about everything and couldn't picture that his son wouldn't be able to move his arms or legs and, you know, pretty much what the doctors were describing.
0: Yeah, that's got to be really tough. I mean, I, I don't have any kids. Um, but I have talked to people who have kids. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just talked to a woman recently, um, who has three kids and all three of them have autism. And wow, it, it Yeah, and, um, and she has very complicated feelings about it. Um, it have you Clearly, I mean, things have gotten um, better since your initial diagnosis. Yeah. Um, And that has to be, you know, a huge source of pride and relief to them. Um, But for you, how old were you when you realized that you had this diagnosis? Do you remember?
1: Mm, I would say probably around uh, maybe five or so like the kindergarten age when when you go to kindergarten and uh so i went there you know feeling normal uh you know quote unquote and then like every day that i would go another kid would come up to me and and ask me like can i ask you something what's wrong with you like and i kept getting this question over and over and over and it was kind of uh turning point again for me where i realized oh wait actually i am different than everybody else because you know not being able to see myself and how i walked i just and how i moved in general i just thought that i was moving exactly like everybody else so you know coming in contact with other kids my age and stuff like that uh, was the first time that i realized it something was different about
0: me. And how did you move around with with tetraplegia?
1: Um, So in the beginning, let's say, at what age specifically are you asking?
0: Sure. uh, Good question. Um, So let's say at the age you're talking about five or six.
1: Yeah. So um, I didn't walk my first steps until I was seven years old. So around five or six, um, I could move uh, my arms a little bit. Like my left arm was much more restricted. Um, so I could move my right arm and I could move my legs a little bit, but I couldn't walk on my own or or stand on my own. Um, in general, like the way that I was moving around was kind of like a, you know, and an army crawl kind of thing. Like I would drag um my my myself using my upper body around. And then of course like if I had to go somewhere um someone would help me, like a teacher or or something like that, because um I needed support. But I was strong enough to be able to um sit up, you know, or sit on a chair, you know, that in, in the seated position, things were much uh, better.
0: I see. And, and as a kid, especially as like a, you know, five, six, seven years old, um, you, you're, you know, the sort of the army crawl you're describing is much more socially acceptable uh, than, you know, yeah. as, as a yeah. teenager or an adult. Um, when did you, I think you I heard you say once that you were at seven, you started walking uh, with like the use of an aid or? Um, yeah, yeah. What what was that?
1: So, so, um, at seven, I had my first uh, surgery. Uh, I had surgery in the hamstrings and in the Achilles tendon area of both of both legs. And that helped me a lot and enabled me to walk um, with the support of um, a walker. Like those things that are shaped like a Greek P.
0: Um, okay. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean in, like in, in English, we would pronounce the, the, the P of a pie symbol. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I mean. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, uh, obviously there, um, I found one of those that was like appropriate for, for my age and, and height. and you know, it has wheels, so you're able to, um, lean on it with your upper body and and you know provide myself with more support and then kind of um at that stage i was dragging my feet much more and the whole motion of walking came more from my um upper body so i was using my upper body to lift my leg off the ground more than somebody else would you know what i mean
0: right right and at at this time are you because um, obviously the doctors gave you this prognosis you know right you know a few months after you're born um, do you uh, when you're that young, I guess you're not really looking into the future but did your parents did they have any expectations for what your life was going to be like at, at that point?
1: Um, you know we took it day by day uh, and the, I, I remember feeling like, and during that time, I was just learning so much, just like any other kid. Because at that at that time in your life, everything is new. But I think my parents also felt that way. You know, even at their age, that it's a, just a, a constant um, uphill battle, and just every day you have to try to take a few steps forward, and um, you can't look too far ahead because you have no clue what that looks like. But I remember discussing with my parents when I was younger uh, and asking my mom specifically, like, um, so how how do you think I'll be able to walk in the future? or um, What will I be able to do? And I, I remember asking this question like various times throughout my life, but um, obviously, the things that I'm doing now were not like in, in the plans. Like I never thought I would be able to play drums or windsurf or, you know, uh, wakeboard, you know, all these things that I'm doing were, we're not in the plans. But um, my mom always said, I hope that we can work hard enough and get to a point where, um, you know, you can walk and live an independent life, More important, most importantly. Um, but other than that, I hope that we can get to a point where when people see you really, they don't understand what diagnosis you've had because you've improved so much. Um, And it's really funny because this is exactly what has happened now. Like the past two years, uh, like sometimes when people ask me, oh what disability do you have and i say that i have cp tetraplegia they they actually don't believe me which is yeah. crazy because you know that's exactly what my mom said these exact words like i hope that you tell them what you have and they won't believe you and now now it's actually happened um
0: when, when, yeah. when you tell people and they don't believe you are you just like you're like come on man why would i lie about that or is it just yeah
1: it was so it's it's pretty recent you know it's not something that i'm i'm used to um i would say it's been just in the last two years or so where where I'll, i'll say to someone like oh i have tetraplegia and they're like no no it can't be tetraplegia maybe like hemiplegia which means like only half of the body and i'm like I'm pretty sure I know what I have yeah. but at the at the same time at the same time it's also a huge compliment. It's it's the best compliment that I can receive. It. People simply can't fathom where I started from, you know,
0: because the difference is so huge. And what about in terms of the way I guess people treat you on site? Where I I imagine uh, at one point your teens, I guess you you boot into a wheelchair, um, and I did, I did. People have different responses to that. Do you ever? This is probably a a, a dumb comparison, but I've I know people uh, in my life who were like severely overweight, and then they got thin Mm. and like attractive and people started treating them different and they they almost like resented it like hey where were you when i was you know 500 pounds
1: yeah no it's not a dumb comparison at all uh well i'm i'm actually glad that you asked about this because uh just for people who don't know who i am my background is that i've i've lived in greece uh, I grew up in Greece and uh, lived in Greece until I was 17 years old. And then at 17, uh, I moved to Los Angeles because I studied there. And I lived there for six years, and now I'm back in Greece. So uh, in Greece, people are still very uh, close-minded about how they deal with people uh, that have different physical or mental diversities um so growing up like all throughout my childhood uh anywhere that i would go i would get um stared at um people would uh say things out loud uh just i can give you an example to put put it in context like um i go to To play basketball at some point. And um, this kid sees me and yells out like, mom, what is wrong with that kid? And the mom, instead of explaining like, oh, he probably has a disability or saying, why don't you go ask him? It's not bad to ask people, you know, in a polite way. The mom says, oh, don't look, honey. His arms and his legs are broken, you yeah. know? So, um. And, and in, in talking with other people here in Greece, especially at that time, like uh, maybe like 15 years ago or something like that, that, that had disabilities, the, they wouldn't go anywhere because of that. They would just you know keep, keep the, the person at home. Uh, so that's the kind of environment that I, I grew up in. So I, I quickly, became immune to people like staring or um, being like insulting and um, I'm glad that I went through it because it, it made me much stronger as an individual um, thankfully uh, I've always had people that have have loved me and, and supported me I've had uh, you know so much good in my life so I wouldn't say that you know, people have suddenly changed now that that I, uh, you know, walk in a much better way. Um, so it's a little bit different to your friend's case, but um, yeah, just to to touch a little bit on what you said about about the the people that you know, I noticed that when I first studied at um, Los Angeles College of Music. Um, I was getting disregarded all the time because of my uh, physical impairment and because I was probably the worst drummer in the class. And, um, you know, now that I've turned things around and my career is starting to do well, so many people from there are, like, reaching out to me and, and they're saying, like, oh, you're amazing and I'm so proud of you and blah, blah, blah. And I feel exactly the same way. But I, where were you when I was there? You know, like. So, but, I try, I try my best not to not to keep, uh, any resentment in in my heart because it it doesn't serve me, uh, in any way, you know.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm when you talk about in in the beginning, you you were you said the worst drummer in the class. How did you, um. I, I know you, you moved out of the wheelchair in your teens and you're able to, to walk um, unassisted at that point. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, so after, um, let's see, let me, let me take it a little bit chronologically so sure. so people can understand. So uh, at, at seven years old, when I started walking with, with, with uh, walking assistance, that kind of slowly decreased and eventually um went away and you know i was constantly doing physical therapy every single day you know with no you know it was just a huge part of my life Uh, and plus i love to be active like i love to try my best to play sports and and do things you know differently but still do them so uh, as I grew older, into like the the early teens of, of like, twelve years old, um, I was able to be independent. Like I could run a little bit, I could walk, and you know, I, I could keep up with with my friends and what my what kids um, my age were doing. But the thing that I really was struggling with is. Uh, longer distances. So any time that, um, you know, a walking distance was involved, I would have, have to use um, a wheelchair or, you know, some sort of assistance. But um, at the age of 14, um, I had a muscle spasm, which is very common for uh, people with CP, especially in the teenage years um because that's when we grow taller right so my muscles were getting more strained because they were growing and um you know eventually i i I think my body just broke down and couldn't handle it so i got this huge muscle spasm which put me in a wheelchair for two years Uh, and the doctor that i had spoken to at the time had said that i should get used to life this way now and i should accept it and it happens to many people Uh, and the the chances of me getting back up from the wheelchair uh, are next to none so that i should i should just adjust my life and get used to it um this was again very uh, hard for my parents because it was almost like you know the whole thing was repeating itself right um and my mom didn't know what to do my dad was kind of in denial um it was extremely hard for me um not because not because i was in a wheelchair obviously i want to emphasize this that being in a wheelchair is not a, a bad thing uh but it was extremely difficult because i felt like all the work that i had done over the years um had just been erased very very quickly and plus suddenly i couldn't do all the things that i was passionate about like playing basketball and sports like my whole my whole life um changed you know after after that incident and um i was in the wheelchair for two years and uh, during those two years i was working very 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 hard um and in my mind i always thought that at some point i was gonna get back up and um thankfully uh, i did i was able to to do it so just to because i'm not sure if i answered your question no, but no. I, felt like I, I had to, yeah, had to well, give this context.
0: Yes, no 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 and and, and I appreciate it. Um I, and so at that point then um around what age did you pick up the drums? Was this was this short uh, this is,
1: the- Go ahead. This is the the perfect question because um as I said, when I was 14 years old, the, the muscle spasm incident occurred and I suddenly couldn't do any of the things that I was passionate about. You know, I couldn't play sports. And um, it became very apparent to me that I can't just um, sit around and be mad at the world and think that life is unfair. And I had to find something new to, to be uh, passionate about. And um, that's when I discovered the drums at the age of I I already was playing a little bit before, but at the at the age of fourteen I, I dove in and and became really passionate about about it because it was the only thing that um I could do and really, really enjoy. Um and then after I got up from the wheelchair, I was like, I'm not gonna stop playing, you know, I, I had fallen in love with the instrument and with music and already at the age of 14, I knew that, you know, wheelchair or not, this is what I want to do with my life. And, you know, I want to live, breathe, eat, sleep, drums, and just do it as much as I possibly can. So yeah, I was lucky that, you know, I, I found my passion in life early.
0: Yeah. And drums among all the different instruments is such like a, you're, you're really moving your body. Um, Mm. do do you think that was part of the attraction for it?
1: I think, um, because I love sports, I I naturally, um, really enjoyed the drums because of the physical, um, uh, because of the physical nature of it. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. and, And that's it. Um, Reminds me of something I heard about Van Gogh, where like he uh, he went to this asylum after you know he he lost control of his mind, and then he gets out and he's doing like a painting a day, and just like yeah. working like a madman, and he was telling his brother like, I know that at any given point my consciousness could just be stolen from me, so as long as I have it, I'm gonna I'm gonna be grateful for it, and I'm gonna take advantage. Yeah. Like yeah. In, in a weird way. I mean a, a lot of us myself included we're not always like realizing or grateful for like what we have or like our health sort of like take it for granted
1: yeah yeah
0: do you think that kind of gave you like a sort of a different perspective there make you want to like take advantage of you know being able to use your body more
1: um i think i was i was always um conscious of the fact that uh you know I'm, I'm very blessed to be able to do everything that I was doing, even at a younger age, even at like 12 or 14. I I, I was so grateful to be able to, you know, just do, do the simple things like walk around with friends or uh, play basketball and sports. I knew that, you know, this wasn't supposed to be part of my life and it is. And that's why I did it. So much. I, like I was playing basketball every day, every single day, as much as possible. And um, uh, you know, on the weekends, that's all I would do. And then I, I feel like I, I was aware of that, and that's why um, I've in, I've improved so much is because I'm always aware of the fact that. I'm so grateful that I can use my body in these different ways. So I'm gonna uh, use it as much as I possibly can. And I think that's also part of, of the of the problem and that when the wheelchair incident happened because before the, the spasm incident, uh, I was kind of like exhausted, but um, I refused to sit in a wheelchair just out of fatigue or you know and I refused to not play basketball as much because it gave me so much joy for life that I just couldn't I couldn't stop so you know eventually my my body broke down but even when that happened when I discovered drums I was so grateful to find drums and the same thing happened again i i just thought to myself i'm just going to play drums and music as much as possible because during all this difficult time i have found something that like uh because because drums is not only about the physical thing but for me music was uplifting my soul like every time so um you know, I was very grateful for it and I and I was doing it as much as I possibly could. And you know, looking back on this on this whole thing now, in in the beginning I thought that, oh, this this muscle spasm is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. It's forcing me to start from zero, like all the work is that I did is wasted. But now I realize it's one of the best things that ever happened to me because if this injury hadn't happened, I wouldn't have discovered drums and I wouldn't have been on the path that I am today. And actually finding drums was a huge motivation for me to work harder and, uh, you know, be the best version of myself. Um, when I discovered uh, the drums, it was really another turning point in my life. As you can tell, I've had many yeah. of those yeah. um, because it was the first time that I, I felt like, you know, I I took the reins, you know, um, my parents have supported me and, and guided me a lot in my life. But um, it was like something clicked in my brain. And, and I, I told my mom, like, you, you don't have to worry anymore about like, me doing physical therapy or or not doing it like i'm taking matters in my own hands and I, i'm a, i'm on, i'm on, on top of things i'm aware of my body and i'm doing this for me because i want to become a badass drummer and suddenly i had this drive to improve like i've never had before you know so so my mom kind of just like took a, a different role and it. it was more like, okay, you, you do what you wanna do. I'm not gonna stop you on anything, of course. And, you know, whatever kind of support you need, um, I'm here to back you up. Whereas previously, before before all of this, it was more like, um, I, for my mom, she was in charge and I, I really wanted to to you know improve as well so our our visions were aligned and you know she was leading the way and all I had to do was execute and do the do um do the work but it kind of flipped over when when I um, discovered the drums
0: yeah and, and like just hearing you describe this obviously you have a, like a very uh, positive persistent mindset um and it, it reminds me i I have um we i have a friend of mine and we he had a, a person that I knew but he was really close friends with uh who's in a wheelchair for life and I remember my friend sort of talking about it, like yeah I feel like those dudes are always so positive man and, and like a lot of the image of people um, with disabilities in the media is like people who overcome or people who persist in spite of it. But like thinking about it, there's gotta be a lot of people who are just suffering and like fucking angry about it. And like, I yeah. I would not blame them one bit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what, what do you, yeah. um, I guess, what do you say to those people?
1: Um, well,
0: because I,
1: you know, I grew up in the era before like, um, social media. I didn't have social media until like my late teens. Um, so I wasn't very exposed to all of these beautiful, like um, disability and em- empowerment uh, stories. All I had was, you know, the, the, the people that I knew around me, and, and the kids that were around me that maybe went to the same uh, physical therapy place or something like that and that's what i saw i saw uh, anger a lot i saw um other kids that were just like you know what like i'm i'm happy the way i am and i'm not really in the mood to put uh to put in all of this extra work to to improve i can just be like this and you know there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, But, you know, I I felt like at some point, I had to distance myself a little bit, just because I knew um, what, what I wanted to do. And I wanted to be around people only that that pushed me forward. Um, You know what I mean?
0: Right. Oh, yeah. The, the people who you surround yourself with, like the energy is infectious for good or bad.
1: Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's not even about like, if you've overcome your disability, like, what does that even really mean? Because let me, let me give you an example. Please. Um, so let's pretend so, someone in a wheelchair, his dream is to be an artist okay and he doesn't want to do all of this physical therapy and all of this you know work so that he can be able to run and play basketball like i did his dream is to be an artist so if this person ends up uh, being an artist and doing something every day that makes him happy in my eyes he succeeded just as much as i have you know what i mean at the at the end of the day it's about being happy and being fulfilled and it just happened to be that the things that made me happy um were very active things so i didn't i didn't like just do things to overcome my disability or because it's impressive or because it's against the odds. You know, I just did it simply because playing basketball gives me joy. Swimming gives me joy. Uh, windsurfing gives me joy. It was always about just doing things that make me happy.
0: Totally. And, and um, I'm curious, this is kind of a personal question, but this is where my mind <laughs> goes if i had cerebral palsy growing up one of my biggest disappointments again this is where my mind goes would be i'd be like man am i never gonna have sex like that that's gotta be a source of frustration too right like (laughs) you you know what i mean (laughs) yeah well
1: it it didn't well thankfully you know (laughs) I'm, (laughs) i'm able i'm able to um but my my issue growing up was like you know because i was pretty i was always very um you know courageous when it came to like talking to to girls even at at a younger uh, age i wasn't afraid to say like i like you or you know that kind of thing even when even at an age when it uh, doesn't really mean much because when you're a young kid, you don't, when you're really young, maybe you like hold hands or whatever, but that's it. You know what I mean? But I was always like, not, not afraid to express myself, but, um, I, you know, as kids kind of grow older, especially in in that, um, early and preteen age, it's a lot about like what the other person uh, looks like, and a lot about um, who's popular, and, and that that sort of thing. So you know, after after getting like rejected a few times, I was like, what what if what if I'm not gonna find someone that can can appreciate me, you know? And right. and uh, what if like I I used to. I, w- I would say maybe around like nine or 10, like I started to feel like the, the, the condition that I have makes me physically unattractive and, and ugly. So it's like, how am I gonna find someone with this thing that makes me ugly, you know? Right. Um, and I think that's where like a, a huge um, drive came from. I, I think it's like you know basic human instinct that you want to be appealing to to the opposite sex, you know, for like mating purposes. Or it's it's very, a very instinct instinctive thing. So I think subconsciously I thought, okay, this thing makes me unattractive, so what do I have to do? I have to, you know, make it disappear as much as possible. And um, later in my life, like in, in my teens, I felt like for for many girls at like 15 or 16, 17 years old, like I was just like, oh, cute Angelo that needs like help. And let me, it was almost like, you know i brought out the 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 mother instinct or like you know i i felt like i had a huge sign that said friends on me please but it's like, <laughs> you, so that that was happening a lot and again a huge part of my drive was um was to work out so i can be perceived as like uh, strong and attractive independent because um you know, I think on a, on a very like basic human level, even subconsciously, um, when you appear weak in, in different ways, that makes you undesir- undesirable. So I wanted to appear um, strong and I had this idea that I kept repeating to myself that, because I, I, I felt very strong inside of me, you know, like inner strength um but i felt like people didn't perceive me as strong because of the of of my disability so i had this mantra that i kept repeating to myself that i want my outer body to reflect the inner strength that i have you know i want i want to be so so strong that like i can't nobody can can doubt if I'm strong, or if if I'm weak, sorry, nobody can doubt if I'm weak, or if I'm capable. Like, I I wanted to have like an undeniable um, physical strength, uh, kind of physique, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where there's no room for doubts, basically. Um,
0: yeah, totally. Yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. And, and I'm one of the other things I wanted to um, to bring up is obviously now you have you're, you're a great drummer, uh, you do all these like you know physical activities, and you you have um, like a story to tell, um, mm-hmm. and, and you have um, done you know speaking and these kinds of things. What are your thoughts on the whole motivational speaker circuit? I don't quite know what it's like as much in Greece, but uh, in the States where I'm from, there are, uh, there are some people who do the whole motivational speaking thing and they, they come across like, um, I don't know, like, uh, it's like, this is like their business and they're like, here are ways to actualize your life. And it just feels very weird. Um, I I don't, I wouldn't put you in that category, but you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not very in the motivational
0: speaker circuit so i
1: don't know like other speak i don't know many speakers like on a on a personal level i have seen some things that, that kind of um look more more like you know maybe this person has a story to tell but somewhere along the way they they got lost and thought like how can i turn this into a more like profitable profitable, um, marketable thing, and then it loses um, this genuine genuine feeling that I would want from someone speaking. Um, but my philosophy is just to always, always, always speak my truth. Um, not only when I'm speaking in front of an audience, um, but in general, like any time to just speak my truth, uh, be genuine and um, try to be vulnerable as well. It's a very difficult thing to do in front of people but uh, I think you know there's nothing I, I think it's more powerful to be vulnerable and and sit here and tell you that, I used to feel that my disability made me ugly, so I worked hard. Um, rather than tell you something that makes me sound like oh, Mr. Perfect, that you know, because I'm not that. I'm far from perfect, and I, I have uh, insecurities and doubts and things that like I'm trying to work on, like everybody. And um, you know, so I, I just. Um, try to do that. And at the end of the day, you know, I I can't, you know, what other people do is, is not up to me. So I just focus on myself and, and try to do things that uh, I can be proud of. And uh, I feel like are, are, are truthful and are the best thing that I can offer at this point in time.
0: Tell you, Angelo, I, I think that's a good note to end it on um okay (laughs) but before before we go though um how can people if they want to find more about you they want to see your drumming etc um do do you have some online links where people can go
1: of course yes if you like i can send you some of those links but um you can just find me on instagram facebook youtube just um under my name angelo Pantaris. uh and there's um plenty of, I I upload plenty of content from, from drums to fitness, to some speaking. Um, and, uh, yeah.
0: Excellent. Angelo, thank you once again for your time.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real, um, pleasure talking to you and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did.
0: Yes, certainly. All right, man. Um, cool. All right. Thank you to Angelo Pantaras, and thanks for listening to Dunk Tank. I'm Duncan Gammy. See you next time.